Well, hey, I want to welcome you to the Martin McLean Podcast. This is episode number 28. Uh, this is my end of the year podcast. This is the final podcast of 2020. Now, today's podcast, I'm going to cover a an assortment of topics. The things that I want to talk about, is, well, that's what I'm going to talk about today. And it's going to be an assortment of, of issues uh, that I've covered during the course of the last six or seven months in the Martin McLean podcast. Uh, just to let you know uh, something personal, about three weeks ago, actually from today, I, I started having symptoms of COVID. Yeah, I went to a CrossFit competition up in Franklin, Tennessee. I would imagine there are probably about six, 700 people uh, crammed into a gym, no social distancing, just a handful of people wearing masks. So it was kind of a Petri dish. Uh, all this exhaling of, of air and sweat and moisture in the air. And well, about three days later, I started having the symptoms of COVID. A couple of days after that, I went to the doctor and I got officially diagnosed with coronavirus, COVID-19. Uh, I did have symptoms. I had two bad days. The, you know, the intense headaches, the fever, and then for about a week, just uh, fatigue, just didn't have any energy. A few days after I got it, Stephanie got it, same symptoms, went through the same uh, protocol, and uh, we finally got out of quarantine. I, I thought at one time I was going to lose my mind. I was on uh, this uh, steroid, what was it called, dexamethasone. And I was also on an antibiotic. I could not handle the steroid. About six days of it, I was about to come out of my skin. And I was like, you know, I've got four more days to take this steroid. There's no way I can make it on this steroid four more days. And so uh, I quit taking steroids. Stephanie was able to take the steroid all 10 days. Uh, she was able to metabolize it, uh, assimilate it into her system, whatever, however that works. She was able to do it. Uh, but we're both symptom-free. We're fine. Um, but it, you know, it was, it was, it was, uh, it's definitely uh, something. The coronavirus is definitely something. Of course, I, I know of other people who have had it. Uh, very serious symptoms. Uh, some of whom have died, which is very unfortunate. So it, it is a thing. The coronavirus is 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 a real deal. It's is a real thing. But you know, like they say. Survival rate is what, 99%, over 99%. So, uh, but we still have those in our country that want to lock people down. I do not agree with the lockdowns. Uh, there's a lot I don't agree with. I, I think that uh, the coronavirus that we have seen this year has uh, exposed a lot of people who are petty tyrants. I think some of the governors have uh, overreached and I think they are very intrusive in people's lives. Uh, in uh, ruining businesses. Uh, you look at states like Georgia, uh, Florida, that have, you know, taken a certain uh, track with the coronavirus, and you look at other states like New York and California, it's totally different. And I think that uh, you'll see that Governor Kemp and Governor DeSantis have done a pretty good job. I think they've done a, a lot better job than Cuomo and uh, Newsom. I don't, think, I don't think there's any comparison. I think it's hands down a better job. Now, I'm not, I don't approve of everything that Governor Kemp has 
been doing as of late, but uh, uh, he did do a, he, I feel like he's done a very good job with his approach to the coronavirus. But speaking of the coronavirus, I'm going to start on some topics that I, I just want to talk about, I just want to cover uh, end of the year deal. Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, a lot of people uh, don't really know how to take this guy. He, of course, is the director of the National Institutes of Health. He is supposedly the uh, the go-to guy when it comes to the coronavirus. And we, we know that there's some things that he has said that really haven't matched up with what he has spoken later. And would you know that uh, there have been a couple of things that Dr. Fauci has come out, and we know that he has lied about. Uh, as a matter of fact, let me read this one headline to you. It is from, from The Federalist. It says, Dr. Fauci admits he has treated the American people like children. Here's what the article says. It says, in an interview last week with the New York Times, Dr. Anthony Fauci admitted something that many of us have suspected for some time. The media-anointed, all-knowing guru of COVID has been fudging the truth in order to encourage what he views as better behavior from the American people. Put simply, Fauci has been acting less like a public official and more like a parent, keeping certain truths from his children. So what kind of truths did he keep from his children? Where? Well, here's what um, Marco Rubio, the senator from Florida, says. He said that uh, Dr. Fauci has lied about mask usage. Let me kind of, hold on, let me get this exact quote of what... Uh, what Marco Rubio has said, because it's, you know, it's really, uh, it really kind of uh, encaps encapsulates it all, because I think that what, what Fauci did, he may have been willing, well-intentioned in some ways, but he flat out lied. Here's what Marco Rubio said, Dr. Fauci lied about masks in March, said, you know, hey, you, you don't need them, uh, don't get them, but then later on he said, you need the mask. And here's what uh, Marco Rubio, going back to his quote, he says, Dr. La uh, Fauci has been distorting the level of vaccination needed for herd immunity. It isn't just him. Many in elite bubbles believe the American public doesn't know what's good for them. So they need to be tricked into doing the right thing. See, here's what uh, Fauci said in his own words, quote, when polls said only about half of Americans would take a vaccine, I was saying herd immunity would take 70 to 75%. Then when new, newer surveys said 60% or more would take it, I thought, I can nudge this up a bit. So I went to 80 to 85%. Also, when the pandemic started, he advised against wearing the face mask, uh, telling the public that, quote, doing so, this is what, from the article, doing so was unnecessary unless an individual was showing symptoms of COVID-19. So here's why he said he did that. Quote, he was concerned that it was at a time when personal protective equipment, including the N95 mask and the surgical mask, were in short supply, end quote. So in order to make it where people didn't go out and buy the N95 mask, he said, you don't need the mask. They don't help. And then later he said, you need mask. So what basically it boils down to is he has lied twice about the pandemic, and he's supposed to be the expert everybody's supposed to li listen to. And now when it says, this is a CNN article, Fauci shares Biden's concern that darkest days may be ahead in COVID-19 fight. So, so when he says stuff like that, 
people are like, well, what are you pushing? What's your angle? Why? Because people have been lied to a couple of times. And you see all these shutdowns, and you see that states that aren't shut down are doing better than states that are shut down, even with infections, even with deaths. And so then you, you start automatically thinking, hey, is there another agenda that is being played out here? And, and a lot of people think there is. They think that uh, the COVID-19 is being used uh, to push another agenda. Now, I won't go into all of that right now, but, um, you know, we do have COVID-19. We do have coronavirus. I have tested positive for coronavirus. I have had coronavirus. So I can speak as someone who has experienced it, and it, it is not pleasant. And it is, there's a burst of intensity with it, and then there's the, the dragging out of the fatigue. But then you get, you know, obviously we got over it, and we're very thankful to the Lord that we did. But um, a lot of our economy is being wrecked, and people's lives are being turned upside down by these shutdowns. And, and I think that personally, my personal opinion, remember, this is Marty McLean podcast. These are my opinions and mine only. I think that there's been an overreach, especially in blue states with Democratic governors and Democratic mayors. I think, and there's some, a few Republicans thrown in there as well. But I think there's, there has been a big overreach, and it just does not come across well in a country that, that loves freedom and liberty. All right, next on the agenda. You know, we got a big election coming up next month in Georgia. We're going to elect two senators. Of course, you know, uh, you probably have uh, no misconceptions about me. Of course, I do vote. <laughs> I vote pro-life, okay? I, I, I vote Republican, pro-life. Uh, pro-life is very, very important to me. Abortion is a big issue with me. Now, we have a guy that's, quote, a Baptist pastor, uh, running for the Senate here in Georgia, Raphael Warnock. And he says, I am a pro-choice pastor. That's what Raphael Warnock says about himself. And there has been a group of black ministers in a couple of three of the southern states that have written him a letter, and they say this to him, quote, you have publicly expressed your views that abortion is an exercise of human agency and freedom that is fully consistent with your role as a shepherd of God's people. We believe these statements represent a grave, grave errors of judgment and a lapse in pastoral responsibility, and we re entreat you to reconsider them. So, Raphael Warnock, running for the U.S. Senate, Baptist pastor, pro-choice. I mean, he's pro-choice. I mean, this guy accepts money from Planned Parenthood. He, his spokesman said, Reverend Warnick believes a patient's room is too small a place for a woman, her doctor, and the U.S. government, and that these are deeply personal health care decisions, not political ones. So we have a guy that is a pastor, and he is running for U.S. Senate, and he is very, very proudly pro-choice. Now, I, I would like Tony Dungy to... Uh, Super Bowl winning coach, uh, one of my favorite people. I like what he says about Reverend Warnick. He says, quote, in a tweet, Reverend Warner may be a pastor. My question would be, is he Christian? This is 
that is, does he follow the teachings of Jesus and does he believe the Bible is the absolute word of God? So, Dungey, it says that, uh, he said, quote, I would think it would be difficult for someone who believes that God sees us when we are in the womb to think that it is okay to choose not to bring that life to fruition. So, Tony Dungy kind of says what everybody else is thinking. This guy's a pastor, and he's okay with abortion. Uh, does, does he read the Bible? Where's he getting his information from? How does he back that up scripturally? Because he should be able to back it up biblically. But he does see, uh, Raphael Warnick does see abortion as being consistent with his faith. And so then that leads others to say, uh, what kind of faith are we talking about? What's going on here? All right. So my, my thing about the senatorial elections in Georgia is that we have a guy that says he's a Baptist pastor and he's very proudly pro, pro-choice, pro-abortion. And I say that's a big problem. It's a big problem. And as a Baptist pastor, I address it from one Baptist pastor to another. I would like to say, you know, where in the world are you getting your information from? And how, can that, how in the world can that be consistent uh, with your faith. Now, on to the next topic. Remember, I'm just kind of running down some topics. End of the year is actually this kind of started last last year. The NBA, we realize how uh, they are tied at the hip with China. It, you know, I didn't realize that uh, they had got they got so much money from China, but they get a an incredible amount of money in the Chinese market. As a matter of fact, on social media, it is said that they have 200 million Chinese followers on social media. I mean, for the NBA. And that the NBA China is worth $5 billion. You know, Clay Thompson, who plays for the Golden State Warriors, uh, he has a 10-year marketing deal over in China, and it said it's probably going to be worth $80 million. And some of these guys, if if I read correctly in one article, they make as much, if not more, from their endorsements in China than they do in the United States. So here's what I'm saying about the NBA. The NBA, of course, protests America. Protests, they protest, you know, what they say is injustice in America, and they give China a pass. As a matter of fact, when one of the uh, executives, remember back in 2019, uh, Daryl Morey, who is with the uh, Houston Rockets, he was the general manager, he spoke out in favor of the protesters in Hong Kong. They were pro-freedom protesters in Hong Kong. They're pro-America, and actually the protesters are. And, of course, China did a big crackdown on them. That it got the NBA in trouble with China. And none other than LeBron James came out, and this is what, uh, when he talked about James uh, Daryl Morey's words that he spoke about China, here is what uh, LeBron said about Daryl Morey. He says that, quote, he wasn't educated on the situation at hand, unquote, before he gave his opinion. Now, you have to understand, Daryl Morey uh, is a graduate of Northwestern University and MIT Sloan School of Management. <laughs> Very educated man, so he knew what he was talking about. But even LeBron James came out uh, and said that. Now, the league, it says, the NBA has a $1.5 billion contract with the Chinese tech giant Tencent, uh, as well as relationship with China's CCTV sports channel, the, smart, the smartphone company Vivo, 
and other Chinese companies. So it's very lucrative for the NBA to be involved in the Chinese market. And let me just say this. Uh, it's not that the Chinese people are bad. It's their government is horrible. They have a, a totalitarian regime that rules over China. And China's buying up stuff all over the world. Matter of fact, they're buying up a lot of stuff in America. Look at how much of Hollywood is owned by the Chinese. Look how much of our uh, news media receives uh, advertising dollars from China. Look at how many politicians have ties to China. China is a threat to the United States of America. They are a big threat. They have even uh, exerted their influence in the good old NBA, which is extremely surprising, but hey, it happened. Now, I'm on to the next topic. I'm going to talk about Pope Francis. Why? Because Pope Francis is the Pope, and Pope Francis does make the news. And I got some articles. I just want to read just the headlines from these articles uh, real quickly. Uh, they're starting in uh, 2015. Uh, is the Pope a socialist? The next article, Pope Francis the Socialist. Another article, Pope Francis's Socialist Agenda. Here's another Pope Francis's new encyclical, I won't even pronounce it, enshrines familiar criticisms of racism and borders. And another one is Pope Francis, each country also belongs to the foreigner. Now here's what it says about his latest encyclical put out by Religious News Service. The article is in itself. Uh, he put it out October 3rd, 2020. It says, quote, in a time of global pandemic social unrest and widespread armed conflict, Pope Francis released his third encyclical on Sunday, October 4th, mapping out the moral guidelines for an open world that places human dignity at the forefront ahead of national borders, private property, and racism. So we have national borders, private property, and racism. Here's something that's kind of, I think, kind of troubling in the article, it's in his encyclical. It says, quote, we can then say that each country also belongs to the foreigner inasmuch as a territory's goods must not be denied to a needy person coming from elsewhere. So when you start reading the Pope and you start reading some of the stuff he says about national borders, um, immigration, you kind of get the idea that, man, this guy, uh, he might be okay with a warm world setup. That's just kind of how it comes across. Uh, I, it, he seems to favor, from, from what I read about the Pope, he seems to favor socialism uh, a whole lot more than capitalism. And I don't want to say that he's more socialist than Catholic, but uh, just keep your eye on the Pope and some of the stuff he comes out with this year. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's very interesting. He's a lot different than John Paul II. You remember John Paul II, Ronald Reagan, and I think Margaret Thatcher, those three were very instrumental in the end of communism, especially John Paul II having come from Poland. And he just seems like, uh, as far as politically, uh, Pope Francis seems to be kind of at the other end of the spectrum from somebody like a, uh, John Paul II. All right, now on to the next issue. Get a load of this headline. Cartoon Network now telling kids there are many gender identities. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Uh, here's, here's what uh, they say from the Cartoon Network. Quote, gender pronouns describe a person's gender identity. 
Examples of pronouns are she, her, they, them, and zzer. Never heard of that one. A lot of people are learning about gender identity. If you're comfortable, you can share your own pronouns. Wow. Okay. So, uh, teaching kids uh, that there are more than two genders. As a, did you know, as a matter of fact, uh, I don't know what, what uh, Vice President Joe Biden uh, was asked during the campaign at the Iowa State Fair, uh, how many genders are there? And Joe Biden said, quote, there are at least three. Interesting. Now, you have to also remember that uh, uh, Vice President Biden, uh, he was asked uh, during the campaign also about uh, whether an eight-year-old should be allowed to decide their transgender. And, of course, he was okay with that. He said, the idea, quote, the idea that an eight-year-old child, a ten-year-old child decides, you know, I want to be transgender, that's what I'd like to be. It'd make my life a lot easier. There should be zero discrimination. In other words, an eight-year-old child, eight-year-old boy says, hey, I want to be a little girl. They should be allowed to be a little girl. They should be able to decide their gender. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but that's lunacy. That is uh, unbelievable. The, the way that some of this stuff is going down and the way that these people, some people just can't say, hey, follow the science. Look, look, look at the, you know, look at the, the genetics you got to know that the science says it's a male or a female. There you go. I mean, you can, you can look at this stuff. But anyway, um, it's, it's, you know, let me just say this. Gender is biological, not psychological. I cannot all of a sudden one day say, you know what? I want to be a different gender. But there are those that say, yes, you can. You can be whatever gender you'd like to. Or you can, you, um, uh, you can create your own gender. I just cannot uh, communicate enough that, man, we need, uh, like the Bible says, God made a male and female. And that's just that simple. And I think we need to not be afraid to tell people, you know, I believe there are two genders. And don't be ashamed about it. And just, I believe they're, you know, male and female. And let that be it. Okay, now I'm heading on to another topic. Since I did mention uh, Joe Biden, let me just say this. Uh, the election has still not been decided as far as I'm concerned. I believe that uh, President Trump should continue to explore every legal and constitutional remedy uh, for the election because I believe that the election was not fair. I believe there's just too much that was done. And, you know, I'm not alone in, in my belief. Did you know uh, in a November 17th or 18th poll conducted by Rasmussen Polling, uh, nearly half of likely voters, 47%, believe that the election was stolen from Trump. Now, of that, 75% of Republicans believe it was very likely or somewhat likely uh, 14, that the election was stolen from Trump. And 30% of the Democrats believe that it was likely stolen from Trump. So that was back during November 17th and 18th. And then, you know, as time goes by, people kind of waver a little bit. But even today, that... Um, <clears throat> 78% of Republicans believe that President-elect Biden was not fairly elected. So in a majority, 57% of Republicans said that the president should continue to pursue overturning the election. That's in a recent, like a week-old survey. So, 
you do have a lot of people, a lot of Republicans especially, believe that the election was stolen and President Trump needs to continue to pursue the legal and constitutional means to remedy the election. Now, nobody wants to do anything unconstitutional, but just go through the legal and the constitutional process. So here's something else that, that happened up in Pennsylvania. Uh, this is from a group of Pennsylvania lawmakers. The article says, Pennsylvania GOP lawmakers say an analysis finds presidential election numbers don't add up. Here's what they said. They said, quote, they said the difference of two, 202,377 more votes cast than voters voting together with the 31,547 over and under votes in the presidential race adds up to a discrepancy of 170,830 votes which is more than twice the reported statewide difference between President Donald Trump and Democratic challenger Joe Biden. So in Pennsylvania, you had 170,000 more votes for president than you have voters to cast the votes. Where, who created those 170,000 votes? That's very interesting. Also, the voting uh, machine tabulation error rates that are set by the Federal uh, Election Commission uh, you have to have it, uh, it has to be at least 0.0008%. So uh, audits of the voting machines that they've been able to audit, error rates in Michigan, the error rates were 68% and in Nevada, 70%. So you have these huge percentage of error rates with the voting machine. Also, you have in the state of Georgia, a Georgia Senate committee releases report on election fraud. They say the election is untrustworthy and recommends decertifying the electors. So you have all this stuff that's happening in all these states. You have all the sworn affidavits. You have all these data analysts that say, you know, this is voter fraud right here. They can look at the numbers and say, this is not natural. This indicates uh, voter fraud. So there's so much evidence out there of voter fraud that I, I believe, from my personal opinion, that uh, Donald Trump actually won the election, and there were a lot of shenanigans that went on and in, in different ways through the, through the voting systems, through the absentee uh, ballots, Ruby Freeman, people like that, that uh, pulled the boxes out from under the table. People are like, where do those things come from? Uh, so anyway, there, there's just a lot. And I just believe you want to do things right. You don't want to do things illegal. You, you want to do things according to the Constitution. So I believe President Trump should explore all constitutional and legal means uh, to rectify the election. Now, let me just bring this up right here. Uh, there are some in the evangelical world uh, that are very anti-President uh, Trump. Uh, and they are very, uh, they speak out very boldly when Christians get involved with what they call nationalism. Now, just let me say this. I know that Beth Moore, she tweeted out a week or so ago, uh, and her tweet got a lot of, uh, of response and a lot of publicity. Uh, she's really against nationalism as far as Christians, Christian nationalism. But here's the deal. If you're a Christian, if you live in Canada, you need to be proud of Canada, and you need to try to make Canada great. If you're a Christian and you live in Brazil, you need to be proud of Brazil and try to make Brazil great. I believe nations are of God, that God wants there to be nations. As a matter of fact, if you look in the Bible, when there's a one-world government, one-world system, it's not going to be good. Go back to the Tower of Babel, the confusion of the languages. I think there's a reason why God wanted nations. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being proud of your nation and wanting the best for your country. And that's, you know, somebody like me, that's the way I approach it. 
If I, if I did live in Canada, I want Canada to be the greatest nation on the face of the earth. If I lived in Brazil, I'd want to, uh, I would want Brazil to be the greatest nation on the face of the earth. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And, and I, I don't know what all has happened with Beth Moore, uh, but uh, she's been a little bit different in the last few years. Uh, something's going on. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. But uh, anyway, some of the tweets uh, seem to put a lot of people in a certain category. And, if, you know, it, it, it's really... Uh, it's not good what what some of the tweets say and, and imply. So I don't agree with Beth Moore with some of her tweets. And just want to kind of put that out there as well. Also, in the upcoming year, uh, we've got what they call the Great Reset to look forward to. Uh, this is where all the powerful and influential people of the world get together, and they want to reset, uh, believe it or not, they want to reset the world's economies. Uh, this guy that's in charge of it, he's the executive chairman of the World Economic Forum. Uh, he says, quote, a great reset is necessary to build a new social contract that honors the dignity of every human being. The global health crisis has laid bare the unsustainability of our old system in terms of social cohesion, the lack of equal opportunities and inclusiveness, nor can we turn our backs on the evil racism and discrimination. We need to build into this new social contract our intergenerational responsibility to ensure that we live up to the expectations of young people. So they want to do a great global reset that will, uh, as they say, uh, it is a reset of capitalism. Guess what? We're a capitalist nation, and you got to do something with the old United States. Uh, and so this is, you know, like Bill Gates, Prince Charles, they're part of this group that meets in Davos, Switzerland. Uh, here's what Prince Charles has said about the Great Reset. Quote, we have a golden opportunity to see something good from this crisis. Its unprecedented shockwaves may well make people more receptive to big visions of change. It is an opportunity we have never had before and may never get again. Well, let's hope they don't get it again, but they probably will get it again. So... That is the Great Reset that's on the horizon. And I think that these guys would much rather have the Great Reset with a President Biden than they would with a President Trump. So we'll just have to see how that thing plays out. Now, let me say uh, today, President Trump did uh, issue a, a religious persecution. I don't know what you call it. Uh, he called for an end to religious persecution. It's the day that honors the death of Thomas Beckett. Uh, here's what Trump says. It's Tuesday, December 29th. He says, Thomas Beckett was a statesman, a scholar, a chancellor, a priest, an archbishop, and a line of religious liberty. Before the Magna Carta was drafted, before the right of, uh, to free exercise of religion was enshrined as America's first freedom in our glorious Constitution, Thomas gave his life so that, as he said, the church will attain liberty and peace. Thomas Beckett's death serves as a powerful and timeless reminder to every American that our freedom from religious persecution is not a mere luxury or accident of history, but rather an essential element of our liberty. That's what President Trump said today. And uh, let me say, that's one of the reasons why I have liked President Trump. Uh, he has been an advocate of religious freedom. He, he even brought it to the United Nations. He has also been an advocate for the nation of Israel and he has done a lot with helping them secure peace with some of their Arab neighbors. Uh, he has done a lot for the pro-life community. He is a very pro-life president. He has been pro-family. Uh, he's been good for 
the cause of, of Christianity in our nation now. Now, we do have separation of church and state. I know the difference between the church and, and the state. But it is nice to have a president that seems to be conducive um, to set an environment where the church can flourish more so and not have persecution. Now, you already have, as I think I mentioned in a previous podcast, you already have some secularists who are telling Biden that, you know, we need to clamp down on some of this religious freedom. We have governors in some of these states that are, I don't, I don't want to say they're persecuting the church, but they sure are being intrusive into the life of the church. And so there's a lot of issues at stake. And, and you know, in, a, in, in just a few weeks, we're going to inaugurate another president. I still hope we, we inaugurate Donald Trump as the next president of the United States. I, I'm just telling, I'm just laying it out there. Um, I hope things are done according to the Constitution. And and uh, we'll just see, you know, people have been praying. We'll see what happens. And, you know, we live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth. We do have a lot of problems, but we have a lot of freedoms. I, I think we have a pretty good history. And uh, we just need to continue to pray uh, for our nation. All right. That's uh, just some of the stuff I just wanted to uh, talk about at the end of the year podcasts and just uh, some of the issues uh, that happened this past year, some of the issues that are going to happen next year with the, the, the Great Reset uh, and the inauguration on January 20th. Uh, yeah. Hey, if you like political science, uh, you like uh, history, uh, significance of uh, uh, big events, this 2020 has been an incredible year. I, I, you know, but I'll be honest with you, I'm ready to kick it in the teeth on its way out. Um, like they say, you know, 2020 is hindsight. I'll be glad when 2020 is hindsight. We need to get this year out of here. And it won't be but a few more days. All right. Thank you for joining me today on the Marty McLean podcast. Uh, I hope you have a great rest of your week. And I hope you have a really good New Year. God bless you, and I'll see you next year. <laughs>